Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi, Tech Buzzers. So we didn't exactly plan it, but this episode is a sort of natural follow-up from the episode last week that focused on WeChat's founding story, the philosophy of its creator, Alan Zhang, Zhang Xiaolong, and the few major changes that came with version 7.0, its most significant update in a few years. Yeah, you see what happened is that WeChat's wild success over the last eight years has obviously made it a prime target for disruption. For even capturing a small piece of WeChat's 1.1 billion monthly active users would be a great business and a great success. So WeChat competitors have been launching with great regularity over the years, and we've seen efforts from all of the internet giants, Alibaba and Baidu, of course, but also NetEase, China Telecom, Xiaomi, Shanda, pretty much anyone you can imagine with end users and capital to spare has made an attempt. But none have been particularly successful, and some have failed spectacularly. So we aren't surprised that new competitors are coming online. What made Tuesday, January 15, 2019 memorable, though, was that not just one, but three competitors launched. Well, one of them is Bullet Messenger 2.0, so maybe we can call it two and a half competitors. But still, why are all of them queuing up for this particular day? The elephant in the room, the most valuable startup in the world, ByteDance, had put out news that it would be making a big new product announcement on this day. But then so did two others, well-known internet entrepreneur Wang Xin of Kuaibo fame and Bullet Messenger 2.0, the initial launch of which we covered way back in episode 21, is WeChat Bulletproof. People joked that the companies must have all consulted the Chinese lunar calendar and arrived at the conclusion that the 15th was the luckiest day, or at least the luckiest day two weeks before the upcoming Chinese New Year holiday, where the whole country would be off for a week, celebrating with family and spending a lot of time on their smartphones and other screens. That's just the first part of the joke. The second part is that Alan and team immediately blocked all links to these competing products. The top meme of the day showed the three founders each saying, Hey, today I'm launching a new social network. Followed by a photo of Alan with a smartphone next to his lips saying, Tell the backend engineers to block them all. Yep, they truly did with great speed. But does WeChat have reason to be scared? Why so defensive? Is there a chance for any of these companies to actually topple Alan Jung's miraculous creation? How would that come about? Let's dig a little deeper and see. The president's key economic team goes to China. Uh, after whole night banking, I say I still want to do it. Hi everyone, 
We are Tech Buzz China by Pan Daily, powered by the Seneca Podcast Network. We are a weekly podcast focused on giving you a peek into what's buzzing within the tech community in China. We uncover and contextualize unique insights, perspectives, and takeaways on headline tech news that don't always make it into English language coverage, so you can be smarter about the world of China tech. Tech Buzz China is a part of PanDaily.com, an English language site that tells you everything about China's innovation. I'm one of your two co-hosts, Ray Ma. And I'm your other co-host, Yingying Liu. We'd like to acknowledge our partners, Deal Street Asia and SubChina, creator of the Seneca Podcast Network. In addition to Tech Buzz, you can also find Seneca, which covers current affairs, Nui Voices on women, the business-oriented China Econ Talk, and the Taishan Seneca Business Brief from China's leading business magazine. Check them out. Also, a reminder for listeners in the Bay Area. Our partner Silicon Dragon's annual forum in Silicon Valley is taking place on January 24th. Find out what's trending from 20 leading VCs and innovators. As with last week, the event link and our code for 50% off is in our episode description and transcript. One last thing before we get started: if you enjoy listening to us, please take the time to leave us a good review or rating on iTunes, Facebook, or wherever you get your podcast. So I think the best way to start is to give everyone the perspective, our perspective anyhow, on WeChat's two main weaknesses, which, if you really think about it, are where the opportunities lie. And then we will show you how the competitor strategies match up against them. And if I may say so, I think they match up pretty nicely. Yeah, and the first one is pretty obvious, and it's definitely not only WeChat that suffers from it, but also Facebook and many other social networks that have been around for a while, and that is the loss, or at least decreasing representation, of younger users, specifically teenagers. Last year, for example, a survey showed that just 51% of U.S. teenagers are using Facebook, down from 71% just three years ago. That's not very much at all. Barely a majority. On the other end of the age bracket, over fifty-fives are joining the network in droves, and were expected to make up the second largest demographic in countries such as the UK by the end of last year. Us thirty and forty-somethings still make up the largest bucket, but the fear is that if no new blood comes in, then you will just get a network full of silver-haired people. Not to say there's anything wrong with that at all, but a general social network should reflect the distribution of the entire population, and not be too heavy on any particular demographic, unless there's a good reason to be. Not that WeChat is heavy on seniors per se. But interestingly, the team also chose to highlight the same age group in its annual report released last week. Specifically, 63 million adults aged 55 and older were active on WeChat. That's about six percent of WeChat's total user count, and this coincides pretty perfectly with the projected number of total Chinese netizens for this age group, also six percent. It's not the first time this age group was highlighted in the annual report. As it was broken out back in 2017, in 2016, however, both those born post 1995 and those older than 55 were broken out, at 14% and 1% respectively. But since 2017, only the 55 and older group has been broken out. 
It's clearly the fastest growing group, going from 7 million to 63 million or multiplying by nine times in just two years. But it's still a little curious why this group and no others was highlighted. Whatever the reason, a recent survey of netizens aged 50 to 80 years old found that an astonishing 98.5% of them use WeChat, and not even one-third do any shopping online. This further gives credence to the saying that in China, for many people, and for this group in particular, WeChat practically is the internet. While we don't have specific numbers for WeChat's younger user base, especially those born after year 2000, there is plenty of anecdotal evidence that these users tend to prefer or at least be more active on other platforms. Tencent's own QQ is a very popular choice, and you can find plenty of articles on why young people like QQ over WeChat, Weibo is also up there, and of course, ByteDance's Douyin aka TikTok, although that is not really comparable. Okay, so the first opportunity if you want to knock down WeChat is to focus on younger users, on which they do not have nearly the stranglehold that they have on older users. What's the second one? The second opportunity is in reimagining WeChat moments, which has become a battleground for user time. On a high level, as we've mentioned in episode 28 on ByteDance, the Tencent family of apps has experienced a 7% decline in the share of total time spent by Chinese internet users, with most of those losses being picked up by ByteDance. We don't know exactly how WeChat or any particular feature in WeChat has been affected, but the topic that has gotten the most attention is moments, or pangyouquan. Talked about it a bit in our last episode, episode 34, the deep dive into WeChat 7.0 about the topic of social media anxiety stirred up by the moments feature and how that, in part, led to the launch of a disappearing feed, much like Facebook or Instagram stories called Time Capsule. Alan felt that an entirely new way of expression, a much more private one, was needed in order to bring back the sense of authentic connection that's been accused of slipping away from WeChat moments. How bad is it, you ask? Other than just feeling pressure to present one's best and most perfect self, moments is being abused in other more insidious ways. A recent trending hashtag on Weibo talked about a girl who was fired from a media company because she did not repost company news to her WeChat moments. The comments section of this post had a lot of people expressing that they were expected to do the same. Can you imagine being fired because you did not post company-related PR to your Facebook feed? And yet, this is the reality for some Chinese employees. You might think it's curious that the company would be monitoring the employees' WeChat. But that is the reality of China, where personal and professional lives are currently very much intermingled, at least in part because culturally, a personal relationship is a necessary precedent to a business one. Which means that people identify each other as friends, regardless of whether or not a real basis for friendship, as we would define it in the West, exists. Thus, the social graph of WeChat is not just family and longtime friends, as you would expect for an app built around messaging, but also business acquaintances, clients, colleagues, and even service providers, like your driver or cleaning lady. 
It's basically anyone you would ever want to or need to message in all types of scenarios and life circumstances. It would have helped if a professional social networking product like LinkedIn was more successful in China, but despite many products, WeChat mostly performs that function. With the rise of enterprise productivity tools such as Alibaba's DingTalk and WeChat Enterprise, aka Slack clones, we might see less bleeding over of professional contacts into the personal realm in the future. But until then, there lies opportunity in breaking down the messy social graph that WeChat has accumulated and in addressing a niche social networking need. As Chinese entrepreneurs like to repeat, what's going to kill WeChat is not going to be another WeChat. In other words, any product with a chance of disrupting WeChat has got to have significant differences. All three apps that were announced this week try to capitalize on one of the opportunities WeChat leaves open. ByteDance's Duoshan is primarily about appealing to younger users, while Matong MT goes for an interaction that it calls the anti-WeChat moments and is reminiscent of the popular anonymous app from a few years ago called Secret, which, by the way, I briefly worked on and which Kevin of Pandaily broke news of in China. The third, Bullet Messenger 2.0, since renamed to Liao Tianbao, also tries to innovate on user acquisition and interaction, although in an entirely different way, by rewarding users with money for practically every interaction you can think of. Let's go into each of these in more detail in order of descending probability of success. Hey tech buzzers, a brief announcement here. We want to introduce you to Pandata, Pandaily's new database on Chinese tech companies. Pandata will give you a company's business overview, employee count, founding date, other basic information, and of course, links to Pandaily's existing coverage on it. So there you go. Check out Pandata, your guide to China's tech world. So no surprise, our first pick is ByteDance's Duoshan. Duoshan, which literally means much flash, was actually launched last September on both Android and iOS under another entity, presumably for testing purposes. It was then quietly removed, officially linked to ByteDance, and relaunched on the 15th. What's important to note here is that ByteDance management insists that it's not meant to go head-to-head -head against WeChat, but instead is to enhance the experience of Douyin or TikTok users by providing them with a way to network with each other. And that's obvious from the get-go. It's not even a standalone app. You must have an existing Douyin account to log in. We didn't get to test the app since the Apple test flight pretty much filled up immediately and neither Ray nor I had an Android ready, but our colleagues at Pandaily did and you can find many screenshots of the app online. It's also got the exact same UI as Douyin or TikTok, since they are related apps after all. And it's got three main tabs, which are the following. Messages, Camera, and Discover. The ability to send video messages easily is core to the product and true to its short video roots. However, the video messages disappear after 72 hours, although the sender will still be able to see them and keep it as a sort of personal photo album. Sound familiar? Most reviewers have likened Duoshan to Snapchat. And similar to Snapchat, Duoshan is hyper-focused on young people. 
In fact, one of the biggest headlines of its launch was that the main product manager of Duashan is a girl born in 1993, making her just 25 years old and just over half the age of WeChat's Alan Zhang. In her speech, she apparently referred to Alan as Uncle or Long Shu, which at face value is a title of respect. Except that the word uncle is often used colloquially in China to deride someone for being very unsexy and very uncool. So naturally, many people took this to be a snarky remark instead of a respectful one. Although if it was meant to be snarky, it did exactly what it was intended to do, which is to instill doubt that Alan's age would allow him to stay relevant with younger users. And what do younger users want exactly? Apparently, lots and lots of emoticons. Apparently, they'd rather say, "I'm missing you a little bit," instead of, "Are you there?" And according to Douyin, they definitely want the ability to send videos to each other. When you log on, Douyin asks for your contact list and message history because it wants to help you connect with your closest 150 friends. I.e. the magical Dunbar number, and they don't want you to have pressure when doing so. So there's no ability to like a post because that would create anxiety. Honestly, I find this a bit self-contradictory because it's precisely in the teens and twenties age group, before the real worlds and responsibilities completely take over, that stranger social networking is most popular, since one's real life circle at the time is mostly limited to classmates. And you have a lot of time to make new friends. It's one of the main reasons why this age group likes QQ over WeChat, because it's easier to discover and make new friends and connections. And as others have noted, if it's really 熟人社交 or only messaging one's close friends, which implies a high frequency and density of information, is doing a video really the best way to communicate over photos, text, or voice? It's true that most snaps are sent to friends versus posted, but is that necessarily going to tide over for video? I guess it could. You just never know what kids are into these days. So, what's our verdict on this app that a Total Insider called the combination of Snapchat's framework and Instagram and Messenger's GIF functions and Apple Watch's heartbeat? By the way, I don't really get that Apple Watch reference. But it's true that youth in China are obsessed over gifts and regularly engage in gift battles or douto. And Duoshan's auto gift suggestion function does seem really fun from the screenshots I can see. Well, I think our verdict right now is that no, Duoshan does not provide a real threat to WeChat. Maybe the ephemeral messages really will alleviate social pressure on the target young users and to encourage them to share their true state. But mostly, the product does remind us most of Snapchat, and it's unclear, based on how Snapchat's been doing, that that's a wise strategy in the long run. Maybe with Douyin as the main source of traffic and as the overarching ecosystem, Douyin can do better than Snapchat. And as the management has stressed, that's the thinking behind this product. But I do think that the way the product has been designed, it seems to be mostly either plugging holes in or fortifying Douyin versus really trying to solve an organic user problem. So for me, I am siding with Uncle Alan on this one and giving him my vote. Honestly, for the second place app, it's pretty close. They are both equally bizarre. But we will pick Toilet or Matong MT, the self-proclaimed anti-WeChat. Why is it called toilet? 
because the founder was inspired by an Andy Lau pop song that sang of the toilet as something that everyone has and will flush all your troubles away and therefore every toilet is a friend. The story behind Toilet is that the founder Wang Xin, who formerly started a video player named Kwai Bo that was really, really popular, was actually jailed for three and a half years for disseminating pornographic content. Yeah, he was released in early 2018. So you think that he would be very much aware of content restrictions in China and not try to test the boundaries too much, having been already caught and punished once. But no, he has created Toilet to be the anti-WeChat and calls itself the social network dark web, Renmai Anwang. He's not exactly referring to the dark web, the criminal and illegal one, but he's using the same Chinese words and it just sounds creepy. His slogan is that, quote, whatever you cannot see or hear on WeChat, or maybe even content that has been deleted, it can appear here. Unquote. In toilet. I don't know if he's missing his time behind bars or what, but that seems like a surefire way to get back behind them. So it's basically an anonymous social topic tool that allows users to discuss anything using pictures and text. If you're interested in the content posted by other users, you can chat one on one with them. His philosophy is exactly opposite to Duoshan's, in that he believes WeChat has a stranglehold on close friend social graphs and that the only available opportunity is in stranger social networking. Aside from being anonymous, there's really nothing too special about Toilet. You log on, and you aren't given a nickname but a dynamic ID that varies depending on the chat room you join, just like in the old secret app. And actually, in China, you can't really ever be anonymous because all services require you to use real name registration, meaning they have your ID card on file. So whatever you say can and will be traced back to you. Anonymous chat still does exist in China, though, including in QQ itself. But it's just always been a breeding ground for trolls and troublemakers. Besides, even if this product does take off, what monetization model can it support? I guess we won't know for a while. The launch was pretty botched, with users complaining of slow service and inability to receive verification codes. We're going to rank this as a no threat to WeChat. In third and last place is Bullet Messenger 2.0, now renamed to Liao Tianbao, or translated as Chat Treasure. If you remember from our episode on it, it has celebrity investor Luo Yonghao, who has a lot of rabid fans who follow his every move. And its core innovation when it launched was this very quick voice-to-text function, although it actually doesn't own that technology. You could argue that its main competitive advantage is its marketing and aggressive user acquisition tactics, which explains why it's relying on gamification, specifically paying users to do tasks to grow its user base. Yeah, the new logo instead of the original bullet is a smiling gold ingot. Yeah, it's basically designed to appeal to poor users who are not trying to be hip or cool, but just want to make some money or find some great deals. Remember in the past we have talked about the greater trends in China of consumption upgrade or trickle down? Well, this one is definitely riding the trickle down bandwagon. Which makes its new product features pretty easy to understand. 
because it's taken the two most successful examples of consumption trickle down, social shopping app Pinduoduo and news app for third tier cities and below Tsuitoutiao, and incorporated that into the app. You can earn virtual currency by buying goods on Haodongxi, a partnership with Pinduoduo within the app's shopping function, or by spending time reading its news section. Those of you who listened to our episode on Bullet 1.0 are probably confused. Wasn't Bullet supposed to be a super efficient messenger, especially for workplace productivity purposes? Didn't the CEO want to basically make it like a telegram? How did it turn into this gamified, almost quest-based virtual currency earning app that's really the opposite of productivity and all about the time you spend within the app? We couldn't tell you. Celebrity investor Luo Yonghao, the face of both Bullet and Smart as in Smartphone, has been under a lot of stress recently, with constant rumors of Smart as in being on the verge of bankruptcy. And Bullet 1.0 has, for the most part, gained no traction at all after the first few million users. This seems like a last-ditch effort, a hail mary. So the same verdict as for toilet. We don't see Bullet 2.0 becoming a viable competitor to WeChat. Maybe it survives a bit longer than Toilet because it's not wading into sensitive territory, but this hodgepodge of functions doesn't really make sense. Maybe some rural users with a lot of free time will care about the two cents you make every half hour of reading the news, but I certainly can't imagine doing that. I'm not exaggerating. At the current publicized exchange rate of virtual currency to RMB, that would literally only make you not quite two cents. Anyway, so what did we learn this week, Ray? Well, we started off talking about the two key opportunities for entrance to China's mobile messaging space, which are really the flip side of two of WeChat's current weaknesses. The first is how to engage and retain younger users, especially teenagers, because we already see in the West that. Facebook, for example, is bleeding young users. The second is the battle for user time, especially on the social networking side, which for WeChat is primarily in WeChat Moments. Moments straddles the world of private and semi-public social media because WeChat's social graph is both personal and professional, includes both close friends and weak contacts, and does neither super well right now. In fact, this is behind one of the key changes in 7.0, the time capsule functionality. Then we looked at each of the three competitors who launched on January 15th and ranked them by their threat level to WeChat. All of them, at least in their current iterations, don't seem to pose too much of a threat, but they are, in order, Bai Dance's Duoshan, Wang Xin's Toilet, and Luo Yonghao's Bullet 2.0 or Liao Tianbao. Duoshan is at least pointedly going after the young user market with their video-heavy messaging app. Videos only live for three days before disappearing to the viewer, but are always available to the sender. The app is most similar to Snapchat. And our main beef with it is that it seems to be designed to enhance Douyin, aka TikTok, rather than to solve an organic user problem. But it definitely has the best chance of survival and might even succeed. Although in its current form, it's not going to topple WeChat. As for the other two apps, their positionings share even less of an overlap with WeChat from the get-go. We don't foresee either Toilet's anonymous dark web social network. Or Bullet 2.0's incorporation of Pinduoduo and Chuitoutiao to be at all a threat to WeChat. 
toilet runs the risk of dying a very, very quick death. And Bullet 2.0? Well, I question if 3.0 will ever come. Have you tried these apps? Do you agree with our assessment? Tweet at us, vote in our Twitter poll, or write to us and let us know. Okay, that's all for this week, folks. Thanks for listening. As a reminder, our episodes will now be available every Friday instead of on Wednesdays. We really enjoyed putting this together, and we are always open to any comments or suggestions. You can find us on Twitter at ThePanDaily, at TechBuzzChina, and my personal Twitter account is spelled G-I-N-Y-G-I-N-Y. And my Twitter is spelled R-U-I-M-A. We'll be back here the same time next week. Tech Buzz China by Pandaily is powered by the Seneca Podcast Network. Pandaily.com is an English language site that tells you everything about China's innovation. Our producers are Shaw Wan and Kaiser Guo.